0: the living room. This is what we wanted to do, is make it a, a warm, welcoming place. You feel warm? All right, I see some t-shirts out in the crowd. So you feel warm, you feel welcome, sort of. We're getting there. You feel welcome? Yeah, awesome. And to the place, if you ever want to feel more living room-like, we got a massive carpet here, and couches. So I don't know what makes it more feel more living room than couches. Anybody else have another plan than couches? Couches is the real deal. Is that, is that the newest thing? Couches. Yeah. Well, we're so glad that you're here. We're thrilled. Yeah, you can sit. I thought you were going to stand and talk with me a bit, but... That is fine. Uh, My beautiful wife, we've been married for 10 years, 10 and a half years, man. We're working on it. And uh, of course, our little ones are not here this evening. They are partying at home alone. (laughs) Not with my mom. My mom is there. And uh, again, we're so glad that you're here. If this is your first time in a church setting or in a church building, we want to welcome you. Man, you, you belong here. This is a great place for you to connect, for you to grow, for you to learn. And I'm just excited about what God is going to share with us this evening. And I also want to welcome those that are on live stream, that are joining us on Facebook Live. Heyo, we're so glad that you came to join us as well. <laughs> I got the wave back already. And uh, so if you've got your Bibles with you this evening, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. And uh, we're just going to continue on this series. And what we're going to be doing here, uh, starting, I mean, we're going to finish off this month with what we've been talking on grace and faith. And then in March we got a, some you know got some cool things that are coming your way. Uh, we got Chip Brim coming March first or Mar- March second, sorry. And uh, we got a couple of speakers coming in. We're we're going to change this up, so it's not going to be just service like. It's going to be great teaching, but in different kind of ways. So we are so excited to get this thing up and going. You guys are enjoying Saturday nights? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we like them. It's it's good. I don't know about you, but I I love it. Man, it's nice to come in on a Saturday evening, talk about the Word of God in, in a nice cozy atmosphere and at the same time let God just speak to you right where you're at and that's kind of our heart's intention and we are as a church we say this often but we are anointed to teach and preach the word of God so people get it and so we're not here to kind of give you some oh what's the next greatest thing out there we're here to preach the word of God so it's able to impact your life but at the same time it's able so you can apply it to your day-to-day living Right? That's, where, that's what's so wonderful about Jesus. He's not just a Sunday type of a guy. He wants to get involved in your entire life. Now, how many of you have experienced Jesus before? How many can say that, man, he's, he likes to take over and he takes over in the best way? Hey, oh, man, is wonderful, this man Jesus. So if you haven't heard about him or if uh, you haven't really spent much time with him, this is your night. You're going to meet him. You're going to see him. And uh, we'll go from there. So Colossians chapter 2. And uh, verse 6, we're going to just kick it off here for a sec. And what we've been talking about this whole month, just to so kind of bring everybody together, is we're just focusing on this series. We're just getting rooted. I mean, the, the Lord, He gave us this word for this year, and it's to move forward. Everybody say it with me. Move. Okay, let's say it together. Move. Move forward. We don't want to move backwards. We want to go in this direction now in order to properly move forward you have to get rooted and we got to get established in the basics that's what the Lord told us so in order to properly go forward we have to get established in what we already know it's not about trying to get some new information it's now again new information is great but we want to apply what we know right because when you apply what you know then we start to see results right anybody ever see that even in their natural job or in their natural life right you see a lot of times okay I'm gonna apply this right you learn how to make a bed Anybody learn how to make a bed? Now, that knowledge is great, but until you apply it, your room's going to look messy, is it not? Right, so until you apply that knowledge, and all of a sudden, you've got a masterpiece of a bedroom, just making your bed. Well, the same way, spiritually speaking, we want to not just get more head knowledge, we want to know what we know, but we want to apply that knowledge so we can see the Word of God work in our lives. Right? So Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, it just really clearly lays that out. And he says, And now... Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, what are the next words? You must. You must continue to follow Him. Now how do you continue to follow Him? What, what are one of the ways that you could do it? Is by continuing to go to His Word. Continue to get implanted and get yourself rooted in the Word of God. And another translation, it also adds right after, you must continue to follow Him. And He goes on to say, and allow Him to shape your lives. So not only are we going to get more and more into the Word of God so we get established, let me just ask you this question. Are you shapeable? Are, are, you, are you allowing the Lord to shape your life? Are you allowing Him, maybe He's putting something on you that needs changing in your life, are you willing to say, okay, I'm willing, I'm willing to have a new thought, or I'm willing to adjust, I'm willing to make changes in my life. So that's just a good question that you can ask for yourself is, am I shapeable? I don't know about you, but I want to be shapeable. I want the Lord to be able to do anything and everything in me so that I get everything that He already purchased for me in my life. Right? Okay, verse 7 goes on to say, Let your roots... Everybody say roots. Roots. Oh, say it like you mean. I know it's minus 40 outside, but roots, man. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Notice this. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. So, this is what we're focusing on. And, you know, one of the things that the Lord just spoke to me as I was, I went to the gym earlier this morning. And uh, one of the things that just kept coming to my mind as I was, you know, doing the bench press Aaron's not here, so that wouldn't, but uh, well, you'll you pass that on to him. One of the things that just kept coming to my, my mind was just when I read in Colossians 2 6 and 7, no more casual Christianity. I, I don't want just to be casual anymore about this. You know, a lot of times people kind of go, you know what, Jesus, I'll come and you know, I'm going to park you here after church is done, and I'll pick you up again next weekend again. Now, you know, I want Jesus, I want you to ride with me for when things get tough, then I want you to help me out a little bit. But I'm not, I don't really want you totally in my life. Not about you, but when we're talking about getting rooted, we can't just have casual Christianity. This is you totally throwing yourself in to who He is, what He said in your life. Amen? I want the whole thing. I want Him completely in my life. So, uh, Colossians chapter 1, you're in Colossians chapter 2, just flip back one page and you'll see chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14. And now what I'm going to actually do here is, um, again, I'm not, I'm not moving fast on this because I, I don't feel like I should, but at the same time, what I'm doing is I'm going to lay a real strong platform because in the upcoming weeks, we're going to be talking about faith. And uh, we got to understand how faith works, what it's like, what does it mean, how do I operate it in my life? That's all good, but I have to get, understand a few things before I can operate in faith. And this is what we've been talking about, grace. Because I mean, over the weeks that we've been talking about it, what is the conversation between God and me? How do I have a conversation? What is it? It is a grace and faith conversation. So who is Jesus? He is grace. That's who he is. So every time he opens his mouth, it's grace coming towards you and I. Grace to change, grace to build up, grace to exhort, grace to comfort, grace to encourage you. That's who he is. And so kind of what even Aaron was just saying, it demands a response. So the response is just simply our faith. So when grace says, I love you, what does faith say? I love you back or thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Anybody ever say that to their girlfriend? You know, guys out there, oh, I love you. And they're just, thank you. Oh, maybe she didn't hear me. I love you. Okay. <laughs> Anybody ever happened to that? Any guys out here? Be brave, man. Anybody? Oh, there's a the gentleman. Thank you, sir. That's hard. That's we got to get you some coffee or something. That, that's, that's rough. Anybody else ever? Let's be honest. Or women, did you say it? I put all the pressure on the men. Women, how many of you said it to your husbands or your boyfriend at the time and nothing came out? Nobody. Okay. All right. I understand that. Well, I've thrown it out there a few times. There's been a big matzo ball and you graciously responded. Right? <laughs> Tell me about it. It was a cold cold winter day, March 31st. I remember the day. Jamie, no, you said it first. She said, Joel, I'm starting to fall in love with you. I should have done, that's cool. I didn't expect anything different, girl. I totally expected that. But I went, yes, I love you. Just had to sh- throw it out there because, yes, I do love you. But it's kind of the same way. So Grace says, I love you. Faith responds, I- <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Grace says, I love you. Thank you. That's it. thank you. Faith response is, I love you. Right? This is the whole thing. Remember when you, when you first met Jesus? And what did you first hear about when you were maybe lost in the world? You didn't know anything about this God, about this Jesus, about what he did for you. All of a sudden you came into contact with him. You heard the message of how much he loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. What did that do to you on the inside? It pulled on you. went, oh man, I... He did that for me? You just responded, uh, Jesus, I want you in my life. That's how you responded. So that's simply what faith is. Grace always starts the conversation. Faith simply responds to what is being said. Right? So you responded said, Jesus, come into my heart. And that's why you're here this evening. Right? Cool. So Colossians chapter 1, and again, we're going to just lay this strong foundation because in order to properly operate in faith, we have to know some things, and the thing that we're going to talk about today is we have to know that we are righteous, that we have right standing with God as if we've never done a thing wrong. Oh, about five minutes ago, just before I came to church tonight, I screwed up. Yeah, but we have to know who we are. Just because you messed up does not mean that your place with God. That Pastor Jamie was just mentioning earlier about this is where we're seated. Just because you've messed up doesn't mean you lost your seat with Him. Yeah. Isn't that good news? Yeah. So what do we got to do? I just simply repent. And repent doesn't mean I just bawl and cry for the next four or five days till all of a sudden I feel the guilt lift off. Repent simply means I'm going to have a new thought. That's all that it is. Aren't you thankful for that? Even though I've screwed this thing up, I've messed up. Man, since I've been saved, I have made some big mistakes. But thank God, His grace is there to lift me up and to forgive me every single time when I say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I did this wrong. Show me now how to do this right. Aren't you grateful for that? And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this evening, is understanding that we are righteous. Because the righteous, those who are in right standing with God, we live a different way than people out in the world. The world has a way of living, but the kingdom of God, those that are declared righteous by God, have a way of living that we have to live by. You can't be a righteous person and live like in the world. It won't work, and it'll leave you very frustrated. So that's what we're going to talk a little bit about this evening. Cool? Cool. All right. You know, this is living room, so you can just yell at me. Like this This is what... Okay, cool. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, man. (laughs) <laughs> Not too much. OK. Colossians 1:13 it says, "For he has. everybody say he has. he has. Not he's going to, maybe one day, someday. No, he has means it's already been done. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Now when you see this again in verse 13, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of God's dear son. I don't want you to think, okay, I'm saved from hell, now I go to heaven. That's part of it. But when you see the word kingdom, when you actually kind of just do more studying, the word kingdom actually means to be under somebody's rule, under somebody's dominion, under somebody's leadership. Right? So let's read that verse together with just that in your thinking. For he has, verse 13 again, he has rescued us from the kingdom or he has rescued us from the leadership, the rule or the dominion from darkness and he has transferred us into the Okay, another ways of saying it is rule, leadership or authority, dominion of the kingdom of his dear son. So listen, I want you to say it like this. I'm out. Say it with me, I'm out. And I'm in. Can you see that? Say it with me. I'm out and I'm in. I'm out of what? Darkness. Sin. What else? Come shout it out at me. You guys are already saying off what I had written down. Sin. What else? You're out. What else are you out of? What is sickness? What else are you out of? Lack. Fear. Worry. Oh, this is... You guys are good. Come on now. What's that? Addiction. Shame. Hey? Anxiety. I'm out, and now I didn't just get, I'm not out of that, and just kind of remember, no man's land. Where am I? I am now in, in what? I'm in life. I'm in love. I'm in joy. I'm in abundance. I'm in health. I'm in peace. I'm in freedom. So I've been out, taken out, but I've also been placed somewhere too. So let's say that together. I'm out. Oh man, say it like you're excited about it at least. I'm out, and I'm in. This is awesome. This is who we are. This is where we're from. I've been taken out and I've been placed in somewhere. So, excuse me. Jesus got us out. Say it with me. Jesus got me out. He got me out. Now I want to read you this quote uh, from uh, a gentleman back in the 1800s. It says this. Yes, it is wonderfully true that he does not, talking God, God does not count our sins against us, But it is not the ultimate wonder. The wonder of all wonders is that God counted our trespasses against His Son, Jesus Christ. He did not, talking God, God did not pass sin by. He punished sin to the full in the person who Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. So again... The ultimate wonder is, yes, absolutely, thank God that Jesus did take it away from us, but that's not the ultimate wonder. The wonder of all wonders is that God had to do something with that sin. God doesn't just close His eye and go, okay, it never happened, never happened. He took the sin of all mankind and He put it on His Son. That's the wonder of all wonders. And so, of course, yes, salvation, everything that we've been brought into, freedom, life, health... We've been brought into that. That is came to us free. right? Did anybody earn it? <laughs> Did you deserve any of this? No, it was a free gift by God to you and I. So I'm out and I'm in this spot. Now, I never want to take that I'm in for granted. How about you? Because it cost God everything to get you and I, all these things that you just shouted out at me, it cost Him everything to get it to us. Everything. So... There is nothing in the Bible, including God's grace, that indicates that God is light on sin. Now, I want to just lay this out before we go further, because a lot of times people kind of just, they abuse grace, or they think of grace a little differently. So I'm going to just give you a couple of verses. I don't have them on the screen, but you can jot them down for your own personal study. Exodus 34, 7. God is saying, I will not and do not excuse the guilty. Jeremiah 31:30 30 says, all people will die for their own sins. Nahum 1 verse 2 says he reserves wrath for his enemies. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 says, talking to God, you are pure and you cannot stand the sight of evil. Am I going too fast? Or okay? Romans chapter 2, so that's Old Testament. Romans chapter 2 verse 5. A day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7 through 9. It says, Jesus will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 says, You love justice and you hate evil. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 says, It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29, Our God is a devouring fire. So man, the wonder of all this, God's not just closing his eyes on sin. He put it all on Jesus. Yet there's still a day coming when all his wrath has to come out. Because he is just. That's who he is. <laughs> right? But now the driving and the compelling force now of Jesus to this earth was to save humanity. Was to get us out. Right? You can read all these scriptures and go, oh, there's no hope for me. No, that there, there is Jesus came to get us out. That was his sole mission. That's the reason why he came, was to get us out, not just out of sin, out of our lostness, out of our own, you know, the situation that we were in, darkness. He also came to save us from the day that's coming. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, I'm safe from that, aren't you? And I'll show you a couple of verses here in a little bit. But this is how kind our God is. In Hosea 13, 9, it says, O Israel, you have destroyed yourself, but in me is your help. In me, I'm here to help you. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden His face from you. So I needed help. How many of you needed help? I needed help. And guess what? He came through. Aren't you thankful? He came through. What did He do? He sent Jesus to you and I to take the sin of all humanity, past, present, and future, and He put it all on Jesus so that we could be out, and then placed in. Man, aren't you I love this. This is exciting stuff, isn't it, Non? So Jesus was born to save. Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-one. Just to lay again, strong foundation. Talking to Mary, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Why? He will save his this people from what? From sin. Again, I'm just laying the solid foundation, just to show you, you're right. Jesus came to save you from all sin. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, it says this. Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's his focus. That's what he's doing. Is he stopped doing that? No, he's still on the hunt. He's still doing the same thing today. Next is uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, For God chose. Let me say this with me. God chose. God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not to what? Not to pour out His anger on us. So if you've been taken out and now you're in, guess what? God's wrath is not intended for you. You're His child. You're His kid. He loves you. Man, He's obsessed with you. But this is, look at this. God chose to save us. Next is 1 Timothy chapter 1. And then this, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Everyone should accept it. Here it is. What is it? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. How many of you were a sinner? How many of you were good at it? Oh, we were good at it. But look, at who came to rescue us out of that? Jesus. And whose choice was it? His. Did you have anything to do with it? You simply accepted Jesus and what he did for you, right? <laughs> so now that I'm out, and now that I've been taken in, I want to again just lay this real strongly, Even though I'm out, one thing I do not want to do is I do not want to take the grace of God for granted. I don't want to take it for granted. What He did, the the precious blood that Jesus spilt for me, the cross, the beatings, He went to hell for, for us. I am so thankful and I never want to take that grace for granted. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, there's a few things that you'll notice in the scriptures that Paul brings out quite often. And this is one of them. He says, as God's partners, we beg you. Everybody say, beg. He's pleading with these people. He's pleading with churches. He, he beg you not to accept this marvelous gift or His grace of God's kindness and then ignore it. So if you've received Jesus Christ, if you've received His grace, the next thing that we are called to do is not to ignore that grace. I want to live with it every single day of my life that I've been saved. I'm out. By what? By His grace. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21 the last little uh, first sentence here it says I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless I I don't want to ever do that and here's the reason why this is what's happened and I mean a lot of times that you see especially in the culture that we live in today in Jude chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 we talked a little bit about this last week when we did our panel but uh, in Jude it says this dearly dearly loved friends I was fully intending to write to you about our amazing salvation we all participate in. So again, what's his focus? What did he want to do? He wanted to talk about what? The salvation. Everything that we've got from Jesus. He wanted to talk about this. Now, Jude, don't just think, oh, that's that's not... This is an elder. This is a gentleman who is of age with the Lord, but of age also naturally. He's a very well-respected man. He said, I wanted to talk to you about the salvation that we've all inherited. But he goes on to say, But I felt the need instead to challenge you vigorously to defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. Other translations that you may have would say, to contend for the faith. To contend for our belief system. Because he says, For God, through the apostles, has once for all entrusted these truths to his holy believers. So now notice as you've been entrusted to this. Okay, this belongs to you. You own this grace message. It goes on in verse 4. There have been some who have sneaked in among you unnoticed. They are depraved people whose judgment was prophesied in the scripture a long time ago. Now notice what they did. Can you read it with me? They, They perverted the message of God's grace into what? A license to commit immorality and to turn against our only and absolute master, our Lord Jesus Christ. So what, is the, what you can get out of the message of grace, and this was the perverted message, was this. Now that I'm saved, I can do whatever I want because God's grace will forgive me no matter what. Now is that true? Yes, there's truth to that. That God has already forgiven people of past, present, and future sin. Absolutely. But just because I'm forgiven, now what Paul said, I don't want to treat the grace of God as meaningless. I don't want to ignore the grace that I've received. So this is what, notice this, he said, some people have crept in among you and just said, oh, just keep living the way that you are. Oh man, do you see the of the culture that's out there today? It's culturally acceptable. Go ahead, live however you want to live. That is perverting the grace of God. And sadly, as believers, we can't have that. We, we can't be like that. We are called to a different standard, and it's the Word. Exactly what is the truth of God's grace? Is God's grace will equip you and I to live according to that Word. Can, right? Am I on the same, are we on the same page there? Like the grace of God that you and I have received, it's not just, oh, that's great. It's also there to strengthen you so that you can live according to this. Because living to, according to this, naturally speaking, is it possible? No was very high. This, The Word of God is written from a perfect standpoint. It's the absolute truth. It's absolute. I mean, to get there, I, how am I ever going to get there? Grace. The grace of God will teach you how to live. Right? You know, just before, I don't want to move on too quick, but go to Titus. I'll just show you this verse real quick. Titus chapter 2. Is this okay for everyone? You're doing all right? This is making sense. You tell me otherwise. We're living room, right? You can tell me. Say, oh, can you... I don't get that. Just You can shout it out. But Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. You guys there? Okay. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. All right? Say all people. Now verse 12 says, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. So how are we able to do that? Grace. The grace of God that He has given to save you is now the grace of God that's able to give, get you out of any kind of situation, get you out of any kind of darkness that you may be inside of you. He's able to purge all that through grace. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to live all your days struggling with sin. Come on, somebody. You know, that some, maybe there's some addictions or some things that are battling on the inside of you in your soul. Can't kick smoking, can't kick drinking, can't kick pornography, can't kick whatever it is. The grace of God is able to not just help you cope with it, but help you go and rise above it so you live victoriously in this life. That's what grace does. So why? So God can use you and say, hey, you're dealing with that? Guess what? God took me out of that. He's able to do that with your life. And isn't that wonderful news? Is you're not stuck. You're about to get unstuck. You're free. Right? Amen. Okay. So now what is Jesus still doing? He's still getting people out. Right? And so what did now Jesus tell us to do? Jude verse 23. I don't have that on the screen. But it says, To rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. You and I, with our life, we now have the ability to snatch people out of the flames of judgment that they're about to enter. With what? With grace. We talk about the message of Jesus. And so, man, I've seen people's lives be completely turned around by hearing what God has done for them. I shared this on a Sunday morning a little while ago, but about uh, November I was speaking at a young adults conference in Edmonton. And I had this young guy, about 24 years old, came running up to me after the service. He wanted to share his testimony with me. And, man, it was amazing. This guy came out of a deep homosexual homosexual lifestyle. I mean, it, it was dark. He was 25 years of age, dark. He had just... Blah, you you I don't need to explain the details, you can figure that out for yourself. And uh, you know, just this while the church that I was speaking at, they had been constantly, you know, connecting with him a little bit, just sharing God's love, just talking to him a little bit. I mean he would kind of just dip in a little bit here and there. So I mean, he's dangerous to get saved. I mean, anybody that kinda dips in just to kind of hear something, you know you're on you're on dangerous ground to get coming in, right? And so he just kept coming in, kept coming in, and all of a sudden he said, I went to a service one day, and he said, during the message, they were talking about the grace of God to save and to restore. He said, I "I saw Jesus, not physically, not even just like out of his heart. I saw him in the word that he cared for me. He cared for me. And he said, just the way that he said it to me, he's like, God just reached out to me and embraced me right where I was at and changed his entire lifestyle. I mean, now that was in the springtime, this was November, so it's about six months in between. And right after that, he went and grabbed his girlfriend and said, look, meet my girlfriend. And so he was just beside himself, he said, I'm just getting used to how to date a girl because girls are different. So yeah, I, 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 I can figure that out, that's true. But I just thought, man, can you see what grace does? Grace is constantly reaching for people. Right? Grace is longing to grab people in and show them truth and show them the word of God. Because grace doesn't want to see anybody bound in sin. That's not his heart. So if you're ever going through some things, man, the, the one thing that the devil will like you to believe is that you've got to keep it just between you and God. Man, there, there, that's there's fine. Of course you want to be open with God. But there's people that God has put around you in your life. Confide in somebody that you trust in. Open yourself up to them and allow the gift that's in them to come on the inside of you and let you walk through it with somebody. God gave us relationship. That's what the church is here for. We're not just an island, we do our churchy thing and we go home. No, we're here to build, we're here to strengthen and build people up in Jesus. That's what we're here to do, right? Okay, awesome. So, all of that to say, I'm out. Can you say that again with me? I'm out. So, now that I'm out, I'm out of sin. So if sin is out, if I'm out of sin and sin's out of me, I'm no longer a sinner. Right? If I've been taken out of sin right, and now I've been put here, now I'm righteous. I cannot be a sinner just saved by grace. Because as long as you think that you are a sinner, you will keep sinning. But now that I know I am righteous before God, it creates a whole different mindset in your life. And I want to just show you a few scriptures, uh, just finishing off here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. <clears throat> I love that though. But since I'm in, then I'm righteous. Jesus qualifies me to be in. What's my qualification? Now that I'm out and I'm in, how do I qualify to be in? It's not me. It's the grace that Jesus imparted to me. I'm in because He said and made me in. Can you see that? I, don't, I didn't crawl my way working my butt off. I just got to get in. I can only work hard enough and obey all the commandments that I'm in. Nobody can do that. Nobody. Everybody say, Nobody. I can't do that. You can't do that. So the only way that we're in is because He now qualifies me. He qualifies you to be in here. So if anybody were to ask you, Why are you in? How, are, how did you get in? Why are you in? Just say, Well, Jesus did it. I just, I just believed it. I accepted it. Right? So 2 Corinthians 5.21 It says, for God made the only one who did not know sin. Who's that? Jesus. To become sin for us. So what did God do? He made Jesus who knew now no sin. He put sin on him. So why? So that I, or we, who did not know righteousness, might become the righteousness of God through what? my union with Him. I get it just because I hang out with Jesus. It's not based on anything I didn't do or do. It's all based on my union. And I don't know about you, but I like to say, I'm with Him. <laughs> Anybody ever do that before? You're trying to get you know, a good seat somewhere, or you're trying to, you know, you're near at a Flames or an Oilers game or something like that, you're trying to get in the box seats and say, oh, I, do you see that? Oh, I'm with Him. My dad quite often did that. Every time we went to a sporting event, and uh, we saw those big box seats that were there. We've been to a few basketball games in the states, and uh, there's the door is open. So my dad, of course, said, "Hey, what a great opportunity! Open door, Johnny's going in." So he would just walk in, and all right away a few ushers would kind of come in and say, "Sir, what what are you doing here?" And he, would, "I'm with him." <laughs> and the guy would just go, "I know, goodbye." Although there was one time that he was welcomed in, and he sat down and had a meal. So I mean, <laughs> the bold get it. <laughs> so. I don't know, but when I was first, when he ran in I'm like, what are you doing? You can't go in there. And just said, no, it's just okay. We'll, we'll find somebody that will let us in. And uh, it works. So, I mean, he's got a, probably about a 3% positive return on those decisions. But, hey, I'm with him. So every time that when you walk into heaven, people go, how did you get here? <laughs> why are you here? I'm with him. That's my answer. Every single time, I'm with him. Why do you think, why should you be healed this time? The devil will bring stuff to your mind constantly. I'm with him. Oh, you know why? Why do you think? Why should this addiction just all of a sudden leave you? Because I'm with him, and when you're with him, stuff, darkness can't even be around him. So if I'm with him, none of that stuff can stick, right? It's through my union with him. So I am right. Okay. Okay. Hebrews chapter five and verse thirteen, and this is the reason why I wanted to lay this out because I, I love this verse but every spiritual infant now we're talking about people that are spiritual babies right in kind of the same way naturally speaking you got babies you got toddlers you got children you got youth you got adults mature adults senior citizens you you got everybody grows up naturally speaking well spiritually speaking you don't just grow older because now i'm 60 years old oh i'm a mature believer that has nothing to do with it i've met 60 year, year old babies and i've met 22-year-old giants, very elderly. How, how, do, how can I grow spiritually speaking? Right here. This is it right here. He says, for every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by what? Revelation? Righteousness. This is what separates baby from adulthood in Christianity is understanding that I am Right? Right where? Right before God, as if I've never done a thing wrong. But you don't know my past. It does not matter when the blood of Jesus has covered you. I'm out, I'm in. I cannot be in and a sinner at the same time. If I'm in the kingdom of God and I'm a sinner, I don't belong there. It doesn't work. If I've been taken out of darkness and placed in the kingdom of God's dear Son, I am righteous. That's who I am. Why? If you're not righteous, you can't be here, right? But if I'm righteous, I can't be there. <laughs> so where do the righteous people belong? Here I am. This is where you belong. Righteous people have no place hanging around over here. Why? They don't fit, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't, the, the, the lifestyles don't match up. So that's why I've been taken out, right? And now here I am and this is where I stay. But this revelation has to pierce Our mindset has to pierce your consciousness that I am right. Even if you're dealing with addiction, every time you light up a cigarette or something like that, just say, I'm right before God. Thank God I'm free. How's that going to work? It's not about did it work. He's already freed you. You just haven't gotten it yet. Can, Can you see that? It's not about God setting you free. One day it'd be great if somebody just prayed for me and I'm free. It's not about that. You're out and you're in. Get it. See, this is why we go on too quickly. We just think, okay, I know this up here, but it doesn't do good anything up here. We have to move it so it's working knowledge on the inside. I'm out. Oh, man, I'm out. And that stuff can't stay on me. Why? Because I'm in. I'm out, and I'm in. Out, in. I feel like Jim Carrey. He's just, I he got my Ace Ventura, when he's got those, whatever he's got in his, anybody see him? No? No Ace Ventura? <laughs> Some, yeah, I see a few nods. Okay, you're just leaving me hang out here. Okay, I got you. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so I got a secured redemption. Romans chapter 3. I got two more verses to show you. Uh, maybe a few more. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. It says this. We are made right. Everybody say made right. Made right. I didn't work myself to be right. I was made this way. I'm made this way. I'm made right with God. How? By placing my faith in who? In Jesus. I'm with Him. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yeah, we get that. We know that. Right? But verse 24 says, Yet God freely and graciously What does he do? What does declare mean? Come on, what does declare? He says something. He shouts it out. God's not just very sheepish about it. Oh, yeah, he can be righteous. No, he shouts. He's righteous. He's right before me. Think about that. The creator, the judge of the universe, points at you and says, you're right. Think about that. Anybody ever been to court before? I've been to court a few times. Not, I mean, I'm there to help somebody else out. <laughs> but when you're there, man, there's nothing better than to hear one of the judges point at the guy that I was supporting and say, you're right. Oh, what a load off. Well, now we're talking about your, your spiritual um, year, eternity. Your, your eternity is at stake here. He points at you and says, you're right. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How, why? How, how did I get in here? I'm with him. <laughs> Uh, yet God freely, graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Verse twenty-five. Read the first sentence: For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. It's a done deal. And I want to show you the, the next one is Hebrews chapter nine, verse twelve through fourteen. Talking about his blood, it says this with his own blood, not the blood of goats, not the blood of calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all and secured our redemption. Now, what does that kind of talk about? Well, in the Old Testament, those that were in, in covenant with God, they couldn't, they had to sacrifice bulls and goats and get the blood from those animals to just cover their sin. Right, so that they could last a year and okay, the next year the high priest would have to come back and do the whole thing again. It got very dirty. Right? They had to you know, slit in throats and every, you know, cattle and all that stuff is dying. A very, very dirty job. But he says this, so not with the blood of goats and calves anymore did God just cover our sin. It says now with the blood of his own son, he completely wiped it out. It's no longer even there. Because in the Old Testament, okay, I, it's covered, but what was wrong is their consciousness would still bother them. I messed this up. I just, oh, still, this is what I did in my past. Now, with Jesus' blood, he wipes it out. So now the guilt and the shame is completely gone. Ah, <sighs> you can breathe again. It's a weight off your chest. Ha. <sighs> I don't owe him anything. He took care of the whole penalty payment for me. I don't owe anything. Isn't that wonderful news? <laughs> I'm, cle- I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm free. I think, I mean, just for the world. Just be, I just I hear this sometimes on, in my heart on the inside. Clean, clean. I just want to be clean. I want to be pure. I want to be just, oh, get all this junk off me. How? Through the blood of Jesus, it cleanses you, not just your physical, it cleanses your consciousness. Actually, we'll go on and read that. Verse 13, I think it says that. It says, Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity verse 14 but he says just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God for by the power of the eternal Spirit Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins man I am so thankful for this I'm free I'm clean I'm purified now who am I I'm out but I'm in and now what am I I'm right I've been out and now here I am. I can actually stand face to face to God and say, I didn't do anything wrong. And he would say, you're right. You didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) Huh? How can that be? I mean, even if you read through the epistles, which are Paul's letters to the church, and Paul actually can say, have the gall to say, I have wronged no man. And history even tells us the type of man Paul was. He was a terrorist. Like a modern day terrorist. Who would go around and he would kill Christians for believing in Jesus. Now he goes on and says, I have done no man any wrong. How can he say that? It's because it moved from what Jesus did, moved out just from here, and it moved on the inside and said, I'm right. I'm I'm righteous, I'm righteous. Could you imagine, man, it slapped the S off his name and put a P there. used to be Saul, now he's Paul. It changed everything about him, everything. People say, aren't you the guy that would kill Christians? No, I I don't know that man. He died a long time ago on that road to Damascus. It's the same thing for you. Whenever you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it could have been at an altar in a church, could have been in the bedroom in your own, it could have been in your own bedroom, kneeling on the carpet. The moment you cried out to Jesus, that old man is gone forever. Jesus pulled you out, and now he puts you in and he says, You're right. Ah, <sighs> I'm righteous. What did it feel like, man? All of a sudden, it just feels like I'm light again. Woo, and you just got so excited. And this is what Paul's saying. Don't ignore the grace again. Don't don't, Remember what it it cost Jesus everything to get you that free and that light spirit again. Don't ever lose that. Don't forget about that. So I want to just encourage you, don't lose sight of that because now I can say I'm right, not because of who I am, but because I understand the grace that Jesus has for me and his love for me that he was willing to do that. So in closing, I want to finish off with this. Now that I'm right, now that I'm out of darkness and done living in that lifestyle, and now I'm in, what is my lifestyle? How do I live? And I think I got a few verses. They're all the same. But Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. It says, uh, Behold, the proudest soul is not upright in him. But notice this, the just. Who are the just? Another word for just is justified or another that's an old english word justified is righteous those that are declared righteous but the just those that are righteous how are they going to live they shall live by his faith and what is faith faith is a response to grace i'm out i'm in now how do i live i'm not living based on what i see i'm not based on what the, you know cnn says constant negative news i'm not looking at what's going on out here how do I live? I live my life by my faith, which is in response to His Word, His grace that's been poured out. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 17, for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that as is written, the what? The just shall live, how? By faith. by faith. Man, I'm right. Okay, now what does that mean? I live by faith. So if I'm living by faith, that means I'm not living by sight. I'm living by what He said. Galatians 3.11 says, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, the just shall live by faith. If the Bible says it a few times, we've got to pay attention to it. Right? In Lassiter's, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it says this, that now, what? The just shall live by faith. This is how we live, this is our lifestyle. This is now. It's not just a you know a denomination. What are you? What faith are you? It's not. That's not what it is. Faith is my trust and my reliance on what grace says. Grace says to you, "You're getting out of debt this year." Faith responds, oh, "I don't know how that's going to happen. I mean, my job isn't very good, and they took away some of my hours. I don't see how that's going to happen." <sighs> Can you see how we're missing it? Grace speaks to you. Grace says you're healed. Well, I don't feel healed. This knee it still bothers me. Grace says it, what does faith do? I believe it. I believe what you said. But it doesn't look that way. It doesn't matter. If God says it, that's it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It really doesn't, it doesn't get matter what your parents think about it, what your, what your church denomination thinks about it. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about it. If God said it, that settles it. That is it, and that's how we live. Living by faith is going to rock a lot of people. It'll change your life drastically in the best way. <laughs> you also make people very mad. Because <laughs> people think, oh, you're so radical. Yeah, but also blessed. <laughs> I have peace in my home. I got joy in my home. I'm living healed and, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I have a good relationship with God. I got a good relationship with my wife. I got an amazing relationship with my kids and my church. It's all going well. Why? Because grace said it. I believe it and that's it. Well, what, don't you worry about what's going to happen to your kids? You know, what a dark world we live in! Grace said that he's going to protect me all the days of my life. My children, according to First John 17, that we are untouchable. So that's what Grace said. Oh, the world's talking about terrorism. Okay, that's that's too bad for the world. Now my job is I want to get the people out of that world and to see what Grace does. <laughs> oh, you're only getting five dollars an hour, and you get three hours a week. You're only making fifteen bucks a week. And if God says you're getting out of debt. Oh, I was going to work. If grace said it, just go. Okay, God, this is going to be a really cool testimony when you pull through on this one. Because I don't know how you're going to do it. All that is required of you and I, Jesus said in John chapter eight, verse something. No, John six forty four. He said your only job is to believe. That's it, and that's our faith. Amen.